I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? Welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the movie we watched at midnight was Alan Pakula's The Devil's Own. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. So, Luke, what do we got? Starting in Northern Ireland in the year 1972, we meet a young Frankie McGuire whose life is quickly turned upside down when he witnesses his father's killing for being an Irish Republican sympathizer. 20 years later, young Frankie grew up to be Brad Pitt, (laughs) a member of the IRA, and a notorious member nonetheless. After being forced to flee the country, Frankie travels to America in hopes of lying low, now going by the name Rory Devaney. Through an IRA connection, Rory soon finds himself staying within the home of a police sergeant played by Harrison Ford. As you can possibly assume, lying low never goes according to plan, as Rory's life soon begins to put Harrison Ford and his family in danger. So essentially we got the plot to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, if you really yeah. think about it. I mean, plot plot point for plot point, yeah. <laughs> really, just beat for beat, really just plagiarized that one, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really beat for beat. <laughs> Total ripoff. Intellectual yeah. property means nothing. So the trailer for this movie, um, it's pretty much like a 90s action uh, trailer. Not aggressively, but, you know, it's what it feels like. Except that it's incredibly misleading for sort of the tone of the whole plot. It makes the movie sound like it's some grand redemption story for Brad Pitt's character, but that just isn't the case at all as the description that Luke just gave us. His intention isn't really to ever stop being part of the IRA or helping them. So, yeah, the trailer is a dirty liar. Dirty lying trailer, and we got quite the section for who wrote this movie this week, all right? This screenplay was written, Nash, by three different people. <laughs> Kevin Jair, Vincent Patrick, and David Aaron Cohen. Not the Cohen you might have been hoping for, but uh, David Aaron Cohen did write Friday Night Lights, which, similar to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> is pretty much B for B, the same movie as Old Country for Old Men. You know? Um, Friday Night Lights, No Country for Old Men. And Kevin Jair has written quite a few stories in time, in his time, including Rambo 2, <laughs> and uh, Tombstone, which oh, I don't hello. mind reviewing sometime. I do like the movie Tombstone. And then um, the Mummy movies with Brandon Fraser. Nash, if I'm not mistaken, you're <laughs> not a fan of the Mummy movies, right? No, you don't like I, those ones? I hate those movies. I think they're some of the worst things ever. Really? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very awkwardly opinionated about the mommy movies. That's one of my nostalgia movies that we always had on VHS that I would just like randomly watch, but I understand your critique, honestly. But we're not done yet with those three guys because as Nash and I will probably get into, this movie had a lot of drama and issues in the production process and they actually brought on other writers while they were filming to rewrite scenes, which 
you know, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing, but something tells me that doesn't really go over well for the movie in the final uh, <laughs> stretch of it. But anyway, <laughs> Terry George was brought on, and so was Robert Mark uh, Kamen. Uh, you probably know Terry George from writing the movie Hotel Rwanda. And uh, oh, Robert wow. Kamen, Robert Kamen, low-key, uh, he created the entire Karate Kid franchise, including the Cobra Kai show that's been coming out the last few years. He also wrote possibly Nash's favorite movie, The Fifth Element. I don't know how many times you brought up the goddamn Fifth I Element love the on fifth this element. show. <laughs> and then he also wrote, oh, the Taken franchise and the Transporter franchise and Lethal Weapon 3. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you know what? Four is the one with Jet Li, right? Four? Is there a Lethal Weapon 4? There's a Lethal Weapon 4 with Jet Li, right? How many are there? Five? No, four, I think. We're not including the It's Always Sunny version? (laughs) Well, there'd be six, technically. Oh, wait, yeah, that that version got cancelled. We've made that joke before. Anyway, let's get get on with it, get on with it. Who directed this movie, Nash? Okay, um, (laughs) Alan J. Pacala. Um, he's a pretty successful producer and director. He's won three Academy Awards, uh, Best Picture for To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Best Director for All the President's Men, um, and Best Adapted Screenplay for Sophie's Choice. I don't know what Sophie's Choice is. I'm sorry. Um, it's got like Meryl Streep in it, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So it's, you know. Um, Meryl Streep and someone else. Um, so it's really like, it's really isn't like a bad group of people working on this movie not at all dude not at all and i feel like we might be foreshadowing our opinions on the movie right now but who knows (laughs) Um, but this movie is starring a few people so first off we got your boy brad pitt rory devaney uh irish accent from what i understand it's a pretty good one people do like it i guess i don't know Um, (laughs) we got we got harrison ford playing tom o'meara the the captain and then his wife is played by margaret colin uh sheila omeria and then we got ruben blades playing edwin diaz harrison ford's partner and then excuse me treat williams playing billy burke who is the uh gangster guy that brad pitt borrows money from and then a young uh julia styles i thought was notable as um one of harrison ford's daughters definitely an early role for her so uh yeah it was cool to see her around nash you got any idea for the theme of the devil's own yeah and i i think this theme is probably um because i know i think like the last one or two movies we've done the theme hasn't been super relevant for it but for this one it really is very important, um, and it's definitely 100% the two distinct moral codes by both of our protagonists. Um, that is what seems to be the major focus of the movie, and I think uh, Pacula would agree with that. Um, yeah, so, Luke, to uh, pick up on our opinions we've been pretty blatant about, <laughs> you gonna give this movie a thumbs up or down? Sadly, gonna be a thumbs down this week. This was not a great movie for Luke. Yeah, for Luke. yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a thumbs down as well. Um, this is the thing. I don't think it's the worst movie we've ever watched, but I think it definitely deserves a thumbs down. And now this. So. Getting into our new trend of the obvious, let's uh, let's talk about this uh, this title. 
because I think it is a very cool title for the movie. It's a very uh, cool title. I'm not really sure where to place it, to be honest with you, because when I think of The Devil's Own, this is not the movie that I thought it would be. Do you have any thoughts on why it's called The Devil's Own? It's it is pretty hard to place um, just because. It's like. The devil's own what you would assume it's referring to. Um, Brad Pitt's character, Rory, just because he is sort of his morality is more. Violence is a necessity. Right. It is the means to an end for it's like I have to do the dirty work so that everybody else can be clean later on. Yeah. Type deal. Um, The only thing I can say is. It's very the literal meaning of the devil's zone. Is that it's just like it, it's a problem. Like, it's a pro problematic situation. You've got stuff that is hard and difficult. Yeah, but too bad or, doesn't or really... can mean Or can mean lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, but at the end of the day, I don't think the movie really does a good job explaining or defining anything we could possibly come up with for yeah. what the title truly means. You know what I mean, man? I, I really totally agree with that. Because I I don't know. I don't get the point. Neither do I. And I, I, think, I, I think I got one word for you to kind of open it up. And that word is going to be mundane. This is yeah. possibly one of the most mundane movies we've ever watched on this show, dude. A pure sleeper. Uh, any climax is pretty unsatisfying and you don't really understand anything that's happening on the way there. And I think it's really disappointing because when I saw this movie, Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt, two really great actors, two of my favorite actors. And then on top of that, one of the best producers in the history of Hollywood, apparently. And, you know, because of a lot of so-called, uh, I don't know why I said so-called, it's, I'm pretty sure it's fact. <laughs> like in, in, the, in the production process, just, no one really knew the direction of this movie, and I think it really shows. So, like, let's start, like, right in the beginning of the movie in Northern Ireland in possibly one of the most savage five-minute openings ever. Do you kind of want to set the stage in Northern Ireland in 1972 for young Frankie McGuire? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, poor Frankie. Yeah, so for, I mean, for those that don't know, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's a very heated topic. Um and I don't want to misspeak for anybody, but essentially the IRA is the Irish Republican Army, which is uh, classified as a terrorist organization because um, they did, you know, blow up cars and assassinate people. Um, and it's essentially fighting for Irish independence from the United Kingdom. Um, they don't really tell you any of that in the movie, which might be important for somebody that doesn't know it. I, you're an American who doesn't care about international politics which i feel like is a vast majority uh <laughs> so, <laughs> and it, it's weird because it's essentially we're following a guy that seems to be like he's either in charge or a major player like if he's not the general he's the lieutenant type deal yeah from so, yeah from what i understand it's it goes through him first right exactly he seems to be one of the head guys and 
we don't really know much about him. And in this opening scene, it's like, okay, we've got, um, I think it's the SAS is tracking him down. Um, found him hiding out in this like abandoned hotel place, crazy gun shootout, you know, there's military checkpoints and the thing, it sets a tone for all the action scenes. Cause I think all the action scenes, in this movie are really good, you know, really well done but like luke said they feel mundane like altogether yeah. it feels mundane which is it's very bizarre to have such a, so many cool action scenes and it feels so sort of boring well dude i kind of wanted you to explain literally the first scene when frankie mcguire is at dinner with his family Oh my god. Oh my god. I totally <laughs> forgot, forgot that. About it. I yeah, forgot right? that scene. Okay, yeah. So we're just like watching him fish as a child. Rory as a child with his dad. They go back. They're saying a prayer. They're about to eat and some guy busts in and just shoots his dad in front of the whole family at the dinner table. With a ski mask on too. A ski mask on. This movie loves ski masks. It does. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just like whoa yeah and then and then well, immediately after that we get that action scene i just described like an idiot <laughs> so so it, it goes and it goes and it goes and i wanted you to kind of bring up that point because a it does set up an odd tone for the rest of the movie that isn't very consistent and it sets up brad pitt's character to kind of be this like tragic figure almost but none of that is really established on as he goes through the movie instead he's kind of treated like this rogue james bond agent who's like going to be able to get out of any situation so i just thought it was odd that that's how the movie started with an explosion like just watch your father get shot at the dinner table while praying and then automatically into like a shootout in a hotel with like the army and this brings me to one of my first points with the mundane nature of this movie is that I feel like it's it was just really lazily written. And now that I know that it was written by so many different people that it can make more sense why we're just trying to push this stuff along. But like, dude, if I'm not mistaken, the whole army showed up to get Brad Pitt and his boys in that scene. And he kind of just ducks out of the back of the yeah. building and just gets away. And then the next scene, we see him hiding under a floorboard. So sketched out about who's going to come in. And then the scene after he talks to his friends. So we kind of know why he's going to go to America uh he just what got what got a passport and went to the airport and like flew into america i don't know i thought that like he was like a giant like domestic terrorist that was like one of the most wanted people in ireland at the time and he just shows up yeah. in america and then on top of that the judge hooks him up with a police not the chief but like he's like a sergeant or something dude yeah you think sergeant. That if there's even a wind of the ira activity in the city trying to get missiles and there was a case created you think harrison ford might i don't know catch wind of it and be like hmm there's an irish guy who just showed up to town living in my house so like yeah right there i within the first 20 minutes of the movie i was had no idea what was going on and it felt like a lot of questionable choices that kind of came off as lazy the first time i watched it I was about to say, that's not even the first half hour of the movie. All of that has happened. And that first scene of his dad getting just annihilated at the dinner table is the only motivation, the only motivation the audience has given for Brad Pitt's character at all. Yeah. And to have him be like so dedicated to this movement 
doesn't really add up too much for the amount of dedication he has because it would seem it would for me it would have to be something more than just revenge would he even care about the IRA if that's what his only motivation was was getting revenge for his dad like cuz the IRA's big thing is mm-hmm. independence and liberation not getting revenge well, you know, dude, it it kind of bothers me a little bit because I feel like the point of this movie was to tell the story of these people and the struggles they had to go through, but it's not defined or respected in really any way whatsoever other than Brad Pitt being this, like, crazy James Bond-type dude. And as we discuss uh, Harrison Ford a little bit and more in the plot, you'll realize that For a movie about a character that is engrossed in something that could be educational and interesting for an audience, something like the IRA in that conflict, something that I personally don't know too much about, isn't worked upon at all. Like you said, I don't know anything about the IRA or Brad Pitt's involvement in it other than that he's just one of the head guys and that his father died because of this cause and now... It's not established at all why he feels this way. Well, not not even like, well, it's established why he feels that way, but the actual conflict of what's happening isn't established enough in a movie that it feels like that's kind of the story it's trying to tell. Yeah, like that, it's... It is, it, it 100% is about the duality between their character, and one of the characters isn't well-defined enough, and he's the one that needs the most time to be defined. In a situation you'd think that would lead to so much character definement in in everything. (laughs) uh, Yeah, development. And not to cut you off quickly, but one of the best lines I think in the movie is when Harrison Ford confronts Brad Pitt and he says, you haven't lived this for a single day. You can never understand what it's like. And that's like the best line we we get from Brad Pitt the whole movie. And that's not a – built upon at all and it's like that's a really great concept and a really great line and the thing is as an audience member we've only seen two days of that existence yeah so how do you expect us to even understand it when we've seen (laughs) we've only seen two days of it happening like it, it doesn't give us enough of that character he's by far the most morally complex character uh, Harrison Ford's is relatively simple. He's not a violent guy. He just wants people to be peaceful and follow the law. He's not, you know, he's not making crazy moral backstabbings or anything like that. He's just sort of by the book, easygoing. This is what we do. Yeah. So while we bring up Harrison Ford, um, what I read about while we were researching the movie was that when the script was originally brought to Brad Pitt, he thought that there should be more of a relationship between um, Tom and Robert's character. So they rewrote the script to give Harrison Ford more time um, in the movie to flesh himself out. So I think that's why we get the scenes of him um, being the police officer, like when the dude is shoplifting and he lets him get away, or it wasn't shoplifting. He like he didn't want he, he was embarrassed to buy the condoms or whatever. Um, yeah. And then we and then it um elaborates on that by having the his partner have the whole thing about shooting the unarmed person, and 
it bothers me because you wanted to rewrite the movie so there'd be more of a relationship between Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford. But then when we have an opportunity to build on that relationship, we're focusing on Harrison Ford's uninteresting police partner in the police world. So it all circles yeah. back to like trying to tell the story of the IRA, to try and tell the story of this cop in Brad Pitt, to try and tell the story of this missile um, terrorist thing going on with like billy burke and like there's so much going on and nothing getting defined at all that it just comes off as being really really uninteresting dude (laughs) yeah because we've got like those scenes all with brad pitt and harrison ford those are probably the best scenes in the whole movie that's where we feel like the movie makes the most sense that's is what it feels like the movie is all getting to those moments but we don't really get enough of them we get too much of harrison ford not enough brad pitt and brad pitt's the hardest one to understand or rory is the hardest one to understand for sure and harrison ford's character is also like you said not as complex as brad pitt's like in terms of the duality you only have you can set up harrison ford's character in like lines of dialogue which they do and although it's not the most subtle stuff in the world they still do it to where like you know that he deplores violence he's not the police officer that's gonna shoot the guy he's the police officer who's gonna ask him how he's feeling before he like does anything yeah um and you know i almost felt like they treated harrison ford kind of like he was bumbling a little bit you know like he gets like like he like finally sits down on the couch for after a long day and he has to go buy milk for his family and like his wife like um it's like even his relationship with his wife like isn't defined in that way and like he didn't even realize brad pitt was up to anything until there's literally someone breaking into his house like it had to be shown right in front of him for him to even like notice something was going on it's it's just weird dude like it's it's weird and it's it's so many people trying to work together on a project and it just clearly did not come out the way that it was originally intended yeah and it's it's hard to think of a movie that plays on this duality as like plays on that duality as much because i will say this movie that is a big thing um to have two good guys but one of them's pretty bad at the time it wasn't it probably wasn't a very popular thing to do it hadn't been done a lot before and certainly difficult i'm trying to think of a movie that's got a lot of duality and does a good job of showing characters differently but showing them appropriately for how you understand them the prestige (laughs) okay the prestige does do a pretty good yeah the prestige does an incredible job of that where you've got two characters striving for the same goal with two totally different means of getting there yeah yeah it does a great job i think watchman does a pretty good job because it's like i mean we'll get into we'll probably one day do that um but like that does a good job because it's like rorschach is probably one of the most morally confusing characters because he's kind of in the Rory side of things where it's like you have to be as cruel as the criminal yeah like that's complex but you need to see his moral understandings but that wasn't revealed until like well into the movie you know (laughs) he's also doing really boring stuff like scrubbing off a ship 
so they can sail to Ireland with the missiles or talking to Billy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, bro, awesome. He, he, he has a broom and hose. I'm so glad Dude. he's wiping the coral off of this shit. That, that is such a good point because it totally like the, the, the pressure washer fight, water fight. It's yeah, just like right? that. Looking back on that scene, it makes no sense whatsoever. It helps yeah. in zero way. <laughs> it's just like playing with a pressure washer. What, uh, like, <sighs> what, e- what even really happened in this movie, dude? Like, what really happened? Yeah. Brad Pitt is in the IRA. He comes to America, wants to buy missiles and loses some money and then is screwed by somebody. And then Harrison Ford gets mad that he lied to him. Like, yeah, is, am, am I missing something? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, see, it, it definitely happens where it's like the first half is I think while we were watching it, you're just like, man, I really hope the back half of this picks things up and they do pick things up, but they totally ignore um, what we know of Harrison Ford's character. Yeah, because why would he have any issue with talking? with uh essentially interpol or whatever the fbi that comes and asks about rory after he was had to do with his wife getting attacked in his house you know it's like that that character motivation to not talk to them was established in no way it makes no sense like it's goes against everything we've seen about his character, especially when we've seen how he would interact with the cops, with his partner yeah. <laughs> like when, with internal services. Like, dude, it's so all over the place, bro. And dude, the last 15 minutes of this movie are so annoying. Cause it's literally just Harrison Ford trying to put together what happened. And we already know what happened. So there's no mystery to it. And Harrison Ford is like, I can't figure it out. I don't know what he was looking for with all that money. Was it guns? Probably. And it's like, ah, dude, <laughs> I'm I'm fr- I'm frustrated about it because there's so much material here with two really great actors and a really great director and the movie just felt like it had no real drive to tell a story. Yeah, cuz it seems like and that that's another thing it's like if it was just an action movie, right? It'd probably be a pretty good one. If it was just a drama, it'd probably be a pretty good one. But because because it does both of those elements well, but it doesn't do as a whole. It does. The movie doesn't do well because we don't have that. Those moments that the, I think the audience would like to see the most. Like, yeah, dude, this movie should be Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford, like exchanging moments like they had in the, in, in the car. Right. Like the, the moment when Harrison Ford throws up in the car, cause he's so stressed out about his partner getting, um, is his partner shooting that guy? I think that's like the best scene in the movie for, in terms of like character development and kind of the way that the story pushed along. Like that, after that scene, I even told you, I was like, okay, that was a good scene. Let's see if it builds off um, this and kind of lets Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford have more of a relationship. But then, uh, but then like the way that Harrison Ford finds out something is up is because there's literal thugs in his house trying to beat him up, dude. You know, like yeah. why, why didn't Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford be way tighter? Like 
as friends, as buddies, and then have something subtle happen that makes Harrison Ford think Brad Pitt is lying to then go on his own detective thing to figure out what's up with Brad Pitt while Brad Pitt's doing all that stuff with Billy Burke. Like, the stuff Brad Pitt is doing isn't bad. It's just boring because we're watching him have a power wash fight, and we don't even really know, like... The ending, the climax with that when he like shot all Billy Burke's guys was cool, but he's just James Bond. He's just an yeah. un, un, undefined James Bond. Like, I would have liked to see um, Brad Pitt gaining the trust of Harrison Ford and then losing that trust and then trying to explain to Harrison Ford why Brad Pitt acts the way he does, why his trauma affects the way he lives his life today in the IRA, and how Harrison Ford needs to try to understand that, to understand him, and that sometimes violence is the answer from Brad Pitt's perspective. That yeah. seems like that seems like the movie written down on paper. We have this character who wants to do this to define this because this character doesn't understand this, but instead it's really half-assed and that's what's annoying about it is because you know that it was so, like at least like riding the coattails of being a good movie you know like you feel me on that like the like yeah. the foundation is there the foundation of what this movie could be the directors and the actors is there but the writing is just so far off that yeah by, like, the, by the end of it you forget it we should like we 100 percent there are there is that moment in the police station they're trying to get harrison ford to talk about rory and there is no motivation for him to not tell him he's having a moment of doubt, but it's like, that shouldn't be happening there at all. Based on what we've seen, that should, that moment should not exist in any way. There's no, there's nothing to support that his character would really do that. Cause yeah. he already has hard evidence that he's doing, you know, illegal stuff, violent stuff, and is the cause of people dying. So it's like, why, why are you trying to put that singular moment of doubt in there? doesn't make sense when you haven't even built it up at all. Like you said, it would be so much better to have that doubt slowly rise, get um, uh, sort of pushed back by Rory so he, got, he lies to him, and then have that doubt resurface. But the movie doesn't give you that chance. It doesn't give you that chance in any way. And I also think having that first scene where his dad gets shot I accidentally forgot it was the first scene of the movie, and it's a hard scene to forget. Exactly. Why? Why wasn't that like? Why wasn't that scene introduced when he was talking to Harrison Ford, trying to explain why he lives the life he lives in a situation we don't even understand? Because I'm not well read up on what happened during this time period. But instead of giving the time period the respect it deserves to explain what's happening. Brad Pitt just moves in with the police chief, like or yeah. sergeant, like. It, ah, it, dude, it's it, frustrating, bro. It it really isn't that tone you want to set in the beginning of the movie that should have been discovered, because now okay, we have a bit more sympathy, we have a little bit more understanding of this character in an appropriate time, and we know that Harrison Ford doesn't know that. Now it's just sort of like okay, that happened. Yeah, like it didn't need to be a chronicle. It didn't need to be so chronological. It could have just happened as a flashback, as a memory. Yeah. No, you're right. You're to you're totally right. And instead, it feels like it's just used as like a boom pow moment to be like, "Oh, we're in for a ride, baby." But then you're not in for a ride yeah. at all. 
So, I mean, the I'd say the only positives of this movie is that I do think Brad Pitt does a pretty good job with what he's given. Like, I think he does play a pretty, um, um, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not reasonable, not understandable, not necessarily good, but, um, a character <laughs> that you can, like... I felt like as as real as Rory could be with the material Brad Pitt was given, I feel like he did that job. Like, I I didn't feel like Brad Pitt was honing it in or Harrison Ford was honing it in. I feel like they were both doing a good job with what they were given. I just feel like because the production process of this movie had so many hurdles, script changes, uh, yeah. differences of opinion, took so long to, like, actually be written and come out that, there's just too much, too much going on between too many different places, and the final vision of that duality couldn't really be created. And like I said, it just disappoints me because I would have loved to have a story that educated me on something I wasn't aware about through two really great actors playing interesting characters. But instead, it's just like so mundane, man. <laughs> hey, next time buy your condoms, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it really is just so annoying to have that character um that brad pitt was doing just sort of fall so flat you know yeah that's just so depressing so devil zone as an action movie it does a fairly good job it doesn't seem like all the it doesn't seem like the movie though is really trying to just be an action movie. There's moments that ask the audience to consider deeper moral values and question the character's own motivations. So it's hard to really just simple simply say action movie because of the identity flaw. Though it's hard to know exactly who the movie is targeted towards. It's definitely not targeted towards kids. But after that, it gets really dicey because it doesn't focus much on anything we're never told the ira's motivations and so we can't really understand that complex character in retrospect it i mean it really wasn't a box office flop it made 50 million dollars more than the budget uh to create it um and i think the responses from critics are pretty appropriate by them just saying it wasn't a very flushed out script it's reasonable seeing how many times a script was rewritten, though, why that was the case. I mean, two months before the movie was even released, it was still unfinished. Uh, the moral complexity between the two lead characters, both being morally good and their own viewpoint, was not established enough between the two of them and hurt both of their developments, making the ending half of the movie seem less believable as it progresses. This isn't a bad action movie, but it clearly didn't just want to be an action movie. So I have to say is I have to say that the praise that the movie did get is kind of unwarranted outside of Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford's performances. If that makes sense to you. It does make sense to me. I I cut out a little bit there and then I had to like reconnect to um our call. So I missed some of what you said, but it's 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 just a mundane movie that could have been really great. And you know, I hate coming on this show and just talking a lot of crap about a movie, but I was really yeah. disappointed. I was really disappointed when we finished it 
dude, because I was like, oh, man, we missed one. Because I always want to pick the movie that I never saw that not a lot of people heard about that's going to be like, yo, go tell your friends to watch that. Devil's Own, unfortunately, was just not that movie for me. So Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Harrison Ford, you guys are great actors, did a great job. And I wish that the production process could have been smoother to give us a more well-rounded story about something I personally did not know too much about. Yeah, and I mean, even I think I read somewhere that Pakula didn't even like that boat ending, where it's just a gunfight on a boat, which makes yeah. sense because it makes it feel that just that's classic action movie ending is a fight to the death, you know? Yeah, and there was no real climax up to it too, right? Yeah, I mean, you just like why, why, why are we here? What is what's the point? <sighs> so, you got anything else to add before we close this out here? Uh nah man this is definitely uh definitely a movie that was forgotten in the sands of time because there's not too much to remember yeah yep and uh let's uh keep it buried uh so thank you for joining us tonight message us at midnight showing podcast on instagram or email midnight showing with luke and nash at gmail.com stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content that we can bring to you be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com Next week episode, just because Luke had to mention it so much, is going to be my personal favorite, The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element and Nash. When they say they want peace, really all they want is for you to surrender. <laughs>